Um, but in the end, I think the prudent investor um, needs to keep their eye on not just, you know, the, the cyclical moment, um, but the broader or potentially longer term developments that may be starting to happen beyond that cyclical development um, that will have an impact on their investments over many years. Welcome to the A Fire Podcast. Now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. The condition of local government finances seems to be an evergreen topic. It's complained about and worried about by politicians and regular people alike, and it seems to be getting worse. And it's impacting migration, demographics, and ultimately the value of real estate. Now, to help us sort through this, I've asked Russ Appel, the founding principal of the Pradium Group, and Peter Muo, the senior director of Citus AMC Insights, onto the podcast. They co-wrote uh, with Corey Laviglio a fantastic report published in the spring issue of AFIRE Summit that looks closely at local government financing. It's called Rising Pressure. A question I would love to start with, Russ and Peter, is pretty simple. Why did you decide to focus uh, on local government financial health? Um, Gunnar, thank you for that question. And, and, and Peter, it's, it's great to be here with you. Um, uh, Gunnar, as you've mentioned, uh, Peter and I really have had an intellectual curiosity. Um, and it, it actually evolved from a, a, a both a business and personal friendship that goes back well over 20 years. And in particular on this topic, uh, you know, we saw some things uh, happening with respect to migration patterns that, that may had been different than what I would say was traditional thinking. Some of that traditional thinking related to the gateway markets being sort of the, the centers and the centers for growth. And, you know, we saw some things that were happening and we started you know, quite frankly, uh, discussing it uh, with an intellectual curiosity and trying to think through what are some of the elements uh, that were leading to uh, diversifying economies uh, outside of some of the gateway markets. And uh, Peter, I don't, I don't know if you want to add something to it, but, but it really started as uh, trying to understand a dynamic that may be a little different than the traditional thinking. I think, Russ, that concept of traditional thinking is the key one here. Um, I've often, you know, sort of looked at a lot of analysts, anal you know, an analysis that's out there and, you know, described as trends are trending. Um, and what we've always tried to do, and having worked together with you for so many years, you know, sort of it's our approach, is to look beyond trends are trending to subsurface developments that are taking place or what makes you know markets specific markets or metro economies tick grow faster grow slower um, have risks and um, you know when you mentioned all those years ago I think what is it it's like a decade or so um, this this issue that you know was on your mind that you had seen and you thought would be 
potentially very important for commercial real estate investors of the pension crisis, it, it ticked to me or clicked to me as one of those kinds of um, things that were out there that were sort of bubbling beneath the surface at that moment, but that could really have an impact over time on the traje trajectory of um, different economies and um, different real estate segments. You know, Peter, when we started thinking about this in, in a real serious way, we were sort of in the middle of the global financial crisis, really, at the beginning, right. really, of the global financial crisis. And obviously, there was so much focus on the destruction of the economy during the global financial crisis back then. And, you know, and, and of course, what, 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 we, what we were thinking about a little bit was demographics and migration patterns. And, and I would sort of a little bit the, the, the um, kind of uh, development of some of these economies, particularly as we saw some of the economies maybe that were, uh, you know, we traditionally may have thought of a cyclical economies and, and, and kind of what, what was going on and why they were going on and, and what was the, obviously there was more fiscal pressures everywhere, including on the municipalities um, during the global financial crisis. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting when you saw some of the, uh, I'll call it hidden liabilities in the pension systems uh, that could impact uh, the fiscal condition of the municipalities, it, it really, I think, opened the door for this series of research. And yet, I mean, I've used the term, you've heard me use the term a lot, demographics is destiny. Um, it's not 100% true, but it's clearly a very important uh, factor in how markets grow. And um, this was one of those things that could, as you mentioned, affect migration flows. Um, but I also think it's sort of a good testament to the two of us that, as you mentioned, we started this when attention was on on the global financial crisis. And um, but in the end, I think the prudent investor um, needs to keep their eye on not just, you know, the, the cyclical moment, um, but the broader or potentially longer term developments that may be starting to happen beyond that cyclical development um, that will have an impact on their investments over many years. Uh, particularly if you're a private market investor as opposed to a public market investor, right? A public market investor, you can look at a one-month window, but most private market investors, particularly real estate investors, um, you know, have to look out. And by the way, when we think of things we don't only look at our holding period, but we look when we go to sell what that buyer's holding period and what they're going to see. So we're, we have to kind of look at like two holding periods, basically, and maybe maybe even beyond that in terms of, uh, you know, what's going to impact our hold. And so, yes, you have to have, uh, what did you say, trends are trending? Trends are trending. Yeah. Trends are trending, not just look at the current momentum or the current trend, which, you know, on a public equity basis, you know, people do well doing that. And that's really what hedge funds do. But really, as a private market investor, I think you have to look at those trends longer term, not just for our hold, but the way we look at it, the next person's hold, too.
very difficult thing to do, I would think, to do that in great part because the perception of some of these things are kind of like the old story of the, the boiling frog. Uh, that we have had these kinds of municipal, regional issues for decades, if not longer, um, in many of these cities. And we've kind of learned to accept that the water is very, very hot. Um, how, how bad is this on a scale? Since you've been looking at it for 10 years, how has this developed? Well, you know, it's funny. We've, as you mentioned, we've revisited this um... You know, we've done a bunch of different thought pieces uh, together with Pradium, but we've revisited this one, what would you say, Russ, four or five times at this point in, in, in the moment. And the reason is, Gunnar, to your point, is that water is getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And interestingly, I think when we first did the paper, it was really a little bit below the surface. I have to give, I mean, give Russ full credit for sort of identifying this well before it was headline news. But over those 10 years or so, or more than 10 years, um, it's become more and more headline news. And, you know, in the latest report, we've just updated, you know, a, a chart that, you know, we've done a bunch of times showing what the pension liability situation is across the 50 states. Um, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the thing that really struck us was, if you think about it, okay, things were bad for, as Russ mentioned, state and municipal finances during the during and in the aftermath of the great financial crisis. But we then had a very, very long, actually the longest on record um, economic expansion subsequently, but things kept getting worse, not getting better. You would hope that, you know, taxes would be flowing in and things would be sort of, you know, hiding a multitude of sins, um, but things kept getting worse. And um, we revisited it this most recent time um, amid the COVID um, pandemic, exactly sort of why you would look at it in the aftermath of the great financial crisis because like well is this a, yet another inflection point in terms of how it has an impact on state municipal finances and because in the end it's not the state municipal finances directly that i think are important for the real estate investor or from sort of russ the way russ is, is approaching it but in terms of its impact on tax levels and impact on service levels and how that has a longer term, more sort of fundamental impact right. on um, on on an economy, on a market, and and on migration. Because what is the deal that the residents are getting if they're paying X in taxes relative to other places? Are they getting enough services and other things? Obviously, these things take time to fold out because people live in places, they own homes, they have jobs, they have family where they are. So, so all of this, uh, you know, is impacted over time. And I think Peter said exactly the right thing, which is this is just one factor. It's kind of a hidden factor, but you really have to look at what's the fiscal condition and how does that impact on things like, you know, taxes and services and safety. You know, and that's sort of becoming a, a kind of a, a bigger issue. Obviously, that relates to the services that are being provided, the, the, how safe people feel. Um, but, but I think it, and, and, and along the way, there are other factors that have occurred. So, for example, when the SALT deduction became more limited, that also had an impact and put more sensitivity on what Peter was really saying, which is, this is one of the factors that we're looking at that relate to the sensitivity of taxes to people, the sensitivity to services, et cetera. When the SALT deduction 
uh, became more limited. Um, you know, what that really did is it, it, it heightened the sensitivity in certain places to, to taxes, and then all these things beca become more sensitive. So one of the updates that Peter mentioned, you kind of, you know, we did, you know, as, as that occurred, as different sensitivities occurred, this is one of the factors. What's interesting about this factor is it's kind of a hidden liability. It's not as upfront as some of the other things. Like, it's easy to look at tax rates, and you saw people talk more about things like tax rates and migration. But, you know, when you look at some of the things behind uh, what goes into that, you know, I think that becomes a little more interesting because, one, it's more provocative. Uh, but two, what you want to do to be a successful investor is identify, hopefully, long-term trends that other people aren't thinking about. And if other people aren't thinking about these things and you can sort of start implementing them, you know, that's real alpha generating. You know, it's very interesting also when we did the most recent paper amid the COVID um, pandemic, it was, I think, what did we, we first started working on it like last summer or so. So it was really, and, you know, the data we were using at the time, the data we were seeing at the time um, was really showing the sharp deterioration in uh, state and municipal um, tax revenues as a result of the shutdown of the economy and the whole thing. And so one of our, one of the concerns and one of the issues was, well, is this like just like another sort of push on, on, on the situation that's already been bad uh, as a result of the um, pension liabilities? Interestingly, with the federal government coming through and providing a lot of funding um, to states and local governments. And the fact that the economy came back much stronger and much faster than I think most anyone at the time last spring and last summer um, uh, considered, uh, that didn't become as big an issue as maybe it looked like initially. But the pandemic did sort of is another sort of a new push or a new factor, as you say, Russ, um, because it did cause a, bit, a, a greater, as you mentioned, rethink on migration, where to live, right? W remote work became a real thing. That's a much more permanent thing, even in hybrid, model, whatever, however it is. And so each of these events over time, since we started looking at this issue, are just sort of pushing things sort of further and further to making it a more important one. Yeah. And, and, and P Peter, as, as you're suggesting now there's the possibility of the federal government uh, impacting more federal income taxes. Um, but that may, again, heighten the sensitivity of taxes. And people may, when they look at local taxes, you know, uh, may have a greater sensitivity and be more impacted when they look at their total taxes. Um, and so, again, you know, this may be worth rethinking if... Uh, you know, and re-looking at how the impact of 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 the f of federal tax increases may further accelerate or decelerate. Uh, I personally think it will accelerate a lot of the uh, trends in migration that that are already occurring. But um, but again, I th I think that 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 to the extent we can be looking at some of the underlying conditions that are impacting trends that are demand for real estate that you know that's going to again not just be provocative but really provide people a competitive advantage whether it's our investment thesis or others 
you know, because we are seeing other people pick up a little bit on, uh, you know, on this kind of research and this kind of thinking since since we started uh, talking about it. So, Russ, does it change your approach or your thinking around new investments? Uh, this kind of understanding is it? How, how do you work yes. with that information? Yes, to yes, yes. I mean, in general, I mean, I think a lot of investors would like to would like to invest where they believe will be the greatest demand growth, right? Demand growth generally means economic growth. In our case, you know, we, we tend to focus on housing. So migration relates to housing demand. So to the extent that we can have a view through kind of real research and, 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 and real information that leads us to better predict where demand will grow the most, I think that gives us a competitive advantage. Um, and so, yes, I think this type of, these, this type of thinking, trying to think beyond what the traditional thought is, is what you have to do to outperform average. And, and I guess on your existing portfolio as well, um, based on wherever it might be, yeah. Yes, it impacts everything you do. It impacts, you know, how you look at your whole cell analysis. It looks, it impacts how you, uh, obviously, uh, how you focus your uh, acquisition resources. So given all that, given, you know, how we need to approach it as real estate investors, what about the cities and states themselves? What do they need to do that they're not doing? And can they do it? Is it even possible? Or, or is this just the, the, the end is, is, is nigh? What's going to happen? It's certainly not easy because if it were easy, I think we would have seen at least some, some um, progress over these many years. And to be honest, I guess the first thing uh, a lot of uh, states and municipalities have tried to do is to change the pension um, structures to... Um, reduce their eventual liabilities. Um, the issue with that is almost universally that has been a failure because the courts have, you know, generally ruled across various states and, and, and localities um, that these are contractual obligations that can't be changed. So, Peter, Peter, that though is specifically true for uh, for current employees, but some right. of them have made changes for future employees to to cut some of the liabilities. Some of them have cut other places in the budget. I mean, th there are things that, 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 that are being done. I, I think Peter will say they haven't addressed it enough for certain across the board. Yeah, see, I think I agree. I mean, that's, there have been things where, okay, new employees get a different uh, pension structure that doesn't have the same liabilities. Um, and that takes some benefit or provides some benefit well, well, well into the future, right? These are the folks that are retiring 20, 30, whatever years down the road. Um, the problem is that the ones that have been promised this that are, you know, approaching retirement, and this is, you know, where this like that chart I mentioned in terms of this liability structure looks like um, why it's such, such a problem. So that takes that sort of you know, it's not closing the barn door after the horse is left or cows. I don't know who, what it is that in that expression, but it's sort of closing the barn door. So for more, more of these animals don't leave the barn, but the other, but the other animals are already out there. Okay. So with that said, um, 
to your point, Russ, yeah. So then you have to say, okay, well, I have to like cut other kinds of expenditures or I have to raise taxes. But that gets exactly into the issue, I think, that's at hand here is that if that is, you know, now making that place poor services, higher crime or higher tax, that exactly it's a it's a solution to the pension problem, but that leads to the whole real estate issue of potentially driving migration of people out. Right. This is this is one of the factors that 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 I think Peter is saying that you ultimately look at. I, I think Gunnar, it's it is an interesting question because you are seeing a number of governors, you know, out on TV talking about what I'll call the deal that they have with their residents. Right. So you do see some of the governors talking about, you know, the parks and in the lifestyle that their state provides and it's worth the money, you know, as a kind of promotional videos. And these are all the things that, that when I say the money, meaning the taxes, the taxes that people are paying. So I think that there is a greater sensitivity to, you know, both individual and corporate relocations. Um, you're definitely kind of seeing that you're seeing government governments being more sensitive to, you know, taxes and services. Um, the Democratic mayor nominee was very focused on, uh, you know, I'll call services, but but really safety, crime and safety uh, in New York City as, as part of his uh, foundation for his platform. And, and my sense is that, that New Yorkers, New York City residents were sensitive to that issue. So it's 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 not just about the funding. It is about, you know, what are people paying in taxes? What's their sensitivity to that? What kind of services and opportunities are they receiving in that marketplace? And obviously, when you have a big liability, that's 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 that that that's sort of behind the scenes. And I think that's sort of part of what Peter's alluding to. You have this liability that's behind the scenes. You know, if you're a governor, if you're legislatures in these local municipalities, it just makes it that much harder to just that you know that, that much harder to uh, you know to to make changes that that would attract more people. You know, the other thing, um, Gunnar, to your question is, I think the awareness level, and I'm not going to say it's because. You know, Russ and I are putting out these papers, but just the awareness level of the issue and how it could affect, you know, to Russ's point, the deal um, has sort of put the spotlight on it for governors and mayors and the like. And so last year, even amid the, the pandemic and before a lot of the, um, you know, sort of federal money came flowing in and the economy came back, like New Jersey, for example, put a down payment onto its pension liabilities for the first time in several years. Um, now, New Jersey has one of the worst pension liability ratios, but having said that, it was movement. So, right, it's, you know, they were, they you know, the governor recognizes the issue and wanted to sort of at least get going on a track that you start paying this down um, so it doesn't explode on them. Well, I, I have to say, I'm incredibly appreciative of the amount of transparency you're bring, you've brought to this hidden world. Um, of the kind of underfunded cities and, and states um, and how we need to think about them. I encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast to uh, spend some time on our website. You can see the uh, report uh, from uh, last fall 
uh, from Russ and Peter, but uh, also an article in a recent issue of um, a fire summit. So uh, do check that out. Um, and thank you, Peter and, and, and Russ for your, for your insights today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for inviting us. Yes. And Gunnar and Peter both. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the A-Fire Podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. A-Fire is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice to this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the A-Fire Podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. A-Fire is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the A-Fire Podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of A-Fire. To learn more about the A-Fire Podcast, including underwriting and guest opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.